Hey team, it's Timbo here. Before the marketing gold comes raining down on us all, the Small Business Big Marketing Show is brought to you by Web Central and Design Crowd, two businesses that care deeply, very deeply about your marketing. You know, I've worked in or on marketing all my life, some 27 years, <laughs> but who's counting? And if there's one thing I know for sure, design plays an integral role in ensuring a business stands out and gets noticed. Back in my day, working, back in my day, I should have said, working for Australia's biggest advertising agency, great design and art direction did not come cheaply. In fact, I vaguely remember sending an invoice to a blue chip corporate client for around $5,000 for a business card design. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have to be that way at all. Great design can be beautifully inexpensive. You just need to know the right peeps. So, allow me to introduce you to Design Crowd, an insanely simple and cheap way to get anything designed. And I mean anything, from logos and business cards through to signage and tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. Head to designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo and grab up to $100 off your first project. Hey, speaking of tattoos, how's your online footprint? How's that for a segue? Well, the reality is both are permanent, a tattoo and your online footprint. So you may as well make them good, real good. That's where Web Central comes into play. You see, Web Central are laser-focused on getting all your online marketing sorted to the point that it grows your business. Imagine that. Online marketing that actually gets your customers and grows your business. They'll build you a highly effective website, update it with content each month, and then ensure it gets found on Google and via social media. They've got three exclusive listener packages waiting for you over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. Today's guest is a 33-year-old reformed podiatrist who, at the peak of his working life, was booked three months in advance, was seeing patients at midnight and his wife was about to have their first child. Something had to give, team. So he put his foot down, (laughs) little podiatry joke there, made some smart marketing decisions, and now he can't put a foot wrong. (laughs) Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, Timbo Reed, but you, so much more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. It's exactly what we do around here. If it's your first time around, welcome. If it's your 100th, 200th, maybe it's your 300th time you've listened to one of these episodes, you're mad. What are you doing? But thank you anyway. Hey, big show today, Daniel Gibbs from Posture Podiatry. He joins us to share how he went from working his proverbial ring off to creating an amazing business. And hint, it involves creating an unforgettable customer ex- customer, customer experience and herbal tea. 
Yeah. Hey, I also help a horse and donkey charity, of course, who has zero marketing budget with an idea that could help them raise plenty of coin. And I'm pretty excited also to tell you about an interview I've got lined up for you next week. I think it's a ripper. I'm excited anyway. That's important. Hey, as per usual, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. So coming up after this fireside chat, I've got an idea for a UK-based charity to help feed their horses and donkeys through the tough winter months. I'm pretty happy with the idea too. It's a based from a previous case study I have come across. But first, let's get stuck in to today's guest. He's a podiatrist and his name is Daniel Gibbs, who very kindly cancelled a game of golf on a Tuesday morning, nonetheless, in order to do this interview. Uh, I met Daniel at an event recently where he came up and told me how much he loved this show, thanks Daniel, and began to explain how he'd implemented a few of the ideas he'd heard over the years. That piqued my attention. You know how much love I have for action takers. Now, Daniel particularly liked the episode I did with dentist Paddy Lund a couple of years ago, who actually was on the verge of suicide. Uh, He made some fundamental changes to his business life, and um, Paddy lives to tell the story. That was a great interview. I'll put a link in the show notes to, um, to that interview. Now, whilst Daniel's predicament was never that dire, he did, find our, he did find himself at one point being booked out three months in advance, seeing patients at midnight, feeling completely overwhelmed and exhausted trying to work in the business and on the business. Is that feeling familiar to some of you, hey? whilst at the same time wanting to be there for his heavily pregnant wife. Hey, he was under the pump, was young Daniel. So like any motivated business owner, he made some fundamental changes to the way he did business and to his marketing. This is an inspiring story. Listen in and here's what you're going to discover. How to implement an unforgettable customer experience if you haven't done so already. But even if you have, he's got some great tips. Uh, The importance of systems, of removing yourself from the business. Love his tips on that. Uh, The importance of post-it notes. Um, How critical the first 20 seconds with a customer is. And how the quality of herbal tea that you serve is in direct relationship to the quality of your service. Hmm. Oh, he also talks about his wall of wow. There's so much in this fireside chat. After working under another podiatrist for a number of years, Daniel opened his first clinic at the age of 29 and from day one made a decision that it was going to be best in class. Well, I mean, I was working for another company, so and I kind of thought, look, I really want to be able to help more people, but I'm kind of limited here. I thought, the best way to do this would be to open up my own clinic and then I could employ someone else and that way I could help double the number of people that, that we could help together. Now, in, in doing that, you had a philosophy of setting it up from day one to be the best podiatry clinic. Oh, what? I wanted this place to be the best, you know. Uh, so how do you do that? Oh, well, it started with the furniture. Um, <laughs> of course I, it did. <laughs> what are we talking, Eames chairs? and? Uh... <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, we spent $1,000 per waiting room chair. Um, I kind of thought... <laughs> hang if, on, hang on. <laughs> you, just take me through that. 
Just okay. take me through that. What have they got? Inbuilt massage, um, air conditioning. What have they got there? I think it more came from the surprise of how frigging expensive chairs are. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, but look, I just wanted a chair that looked nice that people enjoyed sitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they came in, um, it looked like there was almost a, a bit of quality in the place already before they even saw yeah, nice. uh, the podiatrist. So, yeah, it was kind of a case of walk into this place. It, it looks really nice. It's It's kind of got a bit of a luxury feel to it. And um, maybe that might help people, um, you know, enjoy the service a little better. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So we kind of started with that. We set it up. We, um, and, you know, I kind of thought that if we can create this uh, space that people enjoy being, then maybe I can enjoy being there as well and, and we can create a clinic that um, people, you know, hopefully maybe they want to just turn up even if they don't have an appointment. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, so, so you, you nice chairs, nice looking place. Um, what other things did you do? You, um, I, I read somewhere where you said, "Don't put your name on the sign." Is that is there, is there a naming kind of principle involved here? Well, that was some advice that I was given because I, um, I was really grateful for this advice. Actually, a, um, a another fellow podiatrist who'd just gone through a uh, a, a process of selling her business and all the problems that that entailed. Uh, she came and visited us in the first week we were open and she said, look, if there's any advice I can give you, it's please don't put your name on the sign. Hmm. And, uh, and I, I kind of agreed with her straight away because I thought if this is going to be a business, it doesn't need to be reliant on a person or a person's name. Yeah. Um, and so it was something that I decided not to do. And right from the beginning, I kind of thought, I really need to try and put in place systems that allows this place to not be reliant on me. But at the same time, I kind of really wanted to um, do the best I could for all of my clients. So I was in everything and I, I was working ridiculous hours. And um, well, What are ridiculous hours for a golfer like you? I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I book people up till midnight, you know. No. Like, well, sometimes that was the only times that we had available, you know. We, wow. When people couldn't get there during the day or I couldn't see them or, um, yeah, there are some times when people were in there sort of really late mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that was because, you know, <laughs> I had to see them yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or they needed to be seen or, or whatever or they were asking to be seen and um, I remember one night I just thought I was driving home and I just thought, man, this, this is if I don't take control of this, it's going to get out of hand. So, so were you, uh, what, you close to having a breakdown? Were you just physically, emotionally exhausted? How bad did it get? It, it sounds like it probably should have got to that stage, but it didn't because my big driver was the fact that I was helping people and it actually really energised me to be seeing these clients and making a big difference in their lives. So I actually enjoyed that sort of thing, but that in itself was a problem. Because, <laughs> um, um, But anyway, the, the, the point... That, it, that we got to was um, we were trying to get pregnant and finally after a couple of years of trying, um, my wife got pregnant and the advice from the doctor was, hey, you're going to need to take three weeks off around the time of the birth of the baby. And I really, really wanted to do this but I just couldn't see how we could do it. Um, I, I kinda, yeah, yeah, okay, because you you're at this point in time, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're booked up, you, yep. you're booked up, four months in advance. Yeah, the clinic's going pretty well. Other people... Yeah, so at that time it wasn't quite four months, but it did get to that sort of afterwards. But that that's sort of later on in You've the You've got this business completely reliant on you. It, yeah, you, Your 100%. wife's about, you're about to have your first child. 
Yep. And you're looking down the barrel of, well, this can't continue. You've created a great, you know, great problem, you know, yes. uh, in one sense. In another sense, something had to change, right? So That's right. This is, this is reminding me, I'm going back a few years now to an episode where I interviewed uh, dentist Paddy Lund, who was on the verge of actually killing himself, um, as he yeah. shared in that interview. Um, yeah. And But he did ask himself the question, what do I need to do to be happy? And mm. he completely re-engineered that business to the point that, it, you know, he took down the sign, he sacked 75% of his client base, he started making dental buns that smelled of cinnamon to get rid of the Novocaine smell. I mean, amazing ep- episode. Go back and listen to it, listeners, if, if you are interested in that kind of thing. But similar stuff here, Daniel. What, what question did you ask yourself? It's funny you mention um, Paddy Lund because he was a big inspiration for me making a shift as well. Hmm. Um, at that time, I heard the story of his selection of 30 herbal teas and um, <laughs> the, uh, the coffee machine that he imported from Italy and, yep. you know, all the – I'm sure the story is, uh, has become quite a lot bigger now. But, yeah, 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 correct. But as, as good stories do. But um, uh, really, I kind of thought I, if I'm going to take three weeks off, I need to remove myself – as the main breadwinner. So I need to, um, uh, I have six months uh, to basically systemize my business so I can leave for three weeks and hopefully things won't fall apart. Nice. Nice. So that's a pretty, uh, that's not insignificant. Um, many, many would kind of, you know, be clouded by the fact that they were just so busy because to, to systemize a business, that's rather a lot of work. It is, and I realised how much work it was. But it, it was made a lot easier by the team of people I had around me. I think um, what happened was they really got on board with the idea of helping me to release myself for a few weeks. I think it was great yeah, right. having a baby. But, <laughs> um, but uh, no, they, they really got on board and they kind of wanted to prove to me that it could be done. And um, I think maybe they sensed a bit of an urgency from me saying, you know, if this keeps up the way it is, then maybe it won't last. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really good and we developed our culture and we developed um, a few things that we could do and we focused on some key procedures basically so that I knew that any of my clients who were used to seeing me would be happy seeing someone else uh, in the clinic, which is a very hard thing to do. Oh, it's typically. massively hard. <laughs> yeah. what, what's the secret sauce there? If there was one thing you could give other listeners who, you know, with small businesses, how often do we hear it? Oh, the, you know, the people want to see me. They want to see the owner. Yeah. Um, look, I don't know if there's one thing, but the, a big thing that really helps is communication uh, and just being honest and just just basically talking through the situation and getting understanding from mm-hmm. your clients. Um, people are people. I mean, people will understand uh, when they can see what's going on. And they did understand, hey, I've got a, a, a baby due, so I'm not going to be around for a bit. So a lot of people just booked in sort of before I was about to leave and then after I got back. And that's when it really got to sort of I was booked out, you know, four months. So two months of people trying to book their appointments around my baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that was it. You know, it was sort of like no one could really get in uh, for the next four months. Um, but uh, the then – yeah, and it was just three weeks. I mean, really, it was only three weeks. Uh, but it felt like an eternity to me at the time. Um, but, yeah, communicate really well and then focus on the culture with the team so that, so that they actually support you in this journey because as a business owner, um, it's hard to hand over that trust. Um, but once, we, once you can hand over trust and let someone else 
be in charge of your baby, you know, your, I'm, I'm not talking physical baby, I'm talking mm. the business baby here, um, then, then you can, you sort of start to see them, uh, taking more ownership and feeling more vo- motivated and they can see that their efforts is making a difference overall. So it was a great, great little pr- process to go through. Okay. Well, well, let's go through. I want to know exactly what you did um, to turn your business into not, a business that wasn't broken in one sense, um, but to turn it around so that it extracted you, the business owner, from being in it day-to-day so you yeah. could enjoy uh, not only family but you've done some other things beyond your podi- beyond posture podiatry, which is your podiatry business, um, uh, uh, which is quite amazing. But let's talk about what you did within the podiatry clinic to turn okay. it around. So once I got back from this three weeks, the team were motivated, the business didn't fall apart, and I kind of thought, okay, there's something to this. We can really sort of work with this. So we spent a bit of time over the next uh, next year or so um, planning how we were going to create the best experience for our clients. We kind of figured that the, the best way to go about this was to uh, make sure that we're building from that initial dream of having a great a place where people really wanted to be. Um, so... We did things like we implemented the herbal tea. Um, <laughs> you're stealing the idea of Patty Lund. Um, and uh, we kind of went with the crystal glasses and the, the lovely wooden oval tray and we put a, a – we got the best herbal tea we could. And when we became the only podiatrist this, this, on the books, I'm going to just challenge you on that. And clearly yeah. it's worked, but and that sounds so superficial. Oh, man. You know, you know what the principle is? People don't understand all the wonderful things we can do for feet, but they do understand a nice cup of tea, <laughs> right? So, and, oh, and this, I love it. This is a funny thing that happened. When we, we, we became the, the um, only podiatrist on the books of this boutique tea supplier and they started saying, hang on a minute, if you're willing to serve this quality tea, you must be really good podiatrists. Figure, figure that one out. Yeah, I know, right? And, I, and I'm kind of sitting there going, okay. Good one. Yep. It looks like we're hitting on something right here. So we, um, we started, uh, we got this lovely tea. We got these um, from Germany, these beautiful herbal tea bags and everything. And, and um, we got the kettle that heats the, the water up to the right temperature. We got a little tea timer. So we knew that whenever they got the, the tea, there was this little um, sand hourglass timer that, um, that was sitting on the tray with the tea to make sure that the, the client had the, per- the tea at its best if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I sort of it's, do. Yeah. I sort of but, do. But aren't we, we're very strange creatures, humans. You, you know, you're well, right. I mean, <laughs> pre, past, last week's guest, we're talking about price being an, an indicator of quality, which sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Now you're sharing an idea, which is herbal tea is an indicator of the, 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 the intelligence of your podiatrist. I mean, What's, it's extraordinary. It's right. It's almost like quality is the indicator of quality. You know, so if we, if we can be quality in all the other little things we do, then we're likely to be perceived to, to be quality in the, in the treatment we offer. And don't get me wrong, we actually do provide a great ex, um, treatment experience yeah, as well. Yeah, I don't we know about that. I'm not, inter- I'm not interested. I just want to make sure you've got a nice green tea. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, this is the thing, right? What would happen is we had all this tea set up and then people would come in and we'd say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, no, nah, I'm right, thanks. <laughs> and we're kind of like, what? We want to be able to provide you with this amazing experience with this herbal tea. And then they say, no, I'll be right. I don't need a tea. And uh, the, the next big challenge was actually getting people to actually accept yeah, right. the, uh, the, the lovely cup of tea we had. Well, there is. Um, and, and by the way, listeners, there's, a number, there's, there's other things that Daniel has done uh, to make this an amazing podiatry clinic, which we'll cover in a minute. But I, just to finish on the tea, Daniel, um, mm. 
one could argue also that, hang on, I don't want to be paying for expensive trays and crystal glasses and expensive herbal teas. I just want my feet fixed at a reasonable price. Yeah, true. Um, we, yeah, oh, it's I've got tricky, him here. You know? I've got him. Well, He's factored $10 into each consultation for the tea. Well, we actually <laughs> didn't raise our prices. Uh-huh. Um, we just wanted to um, to offer this extra quality service. Right. Um, and we didn't raise our prices because, you know, it, it, this is what lined up with our values. We wanted to create the best experience. And so this was just generally part of it. And didn't actually cost that much to provide a cup of tea. Well, that's and the fact the thing. that, you yeah, know, that's it. And, but there's perceived value. And I remember uh-huh. having a conversation with someone and they said, look, oh, you know, I'm, um, uh, yeah, I'm on a concession card now. Is there any chance that, you know, and that was when I was really challenged to, for this person, you know, reduce the prices. And it was the first time that I really stuck with mm-hmm. um, my guns in saying, you know, actually we don't, we don't um, okay. offer concessions. But really. what I can do uh, is not give you a herbal tea, I'll <laughs> give you a bushels and I'll charge you 20 cents less. <laughs> well, her response was, oh, but I get this wonderful cup of tea. Yeah, oh, nice. It's worth it. It's worth it. Right just on. for that, you know. And, um, what else did you do, Dan? Oh, look, okay, so we, we then started offering these mineral salt foot bars with essential oils. You know, we wanted people to really feel like they could experience And we did it in the, the waiting room, which we renamed our welcome room um, because nice. we didn't want people to feel like they were waiting in the waiting room. It's, it's the welcome room. They're here to be welcomed. Um, and uh, so they'd sit there with their, their lovely herbal tea in their feet in a foot bath, and then the person sitting next to them would be thinking, oh, that looks pretty nice maybe i can have that too and so we started seeing people actually accepting the the tea and the in the foot bath that we love to offer them yeah. um and uh, you know little things like first impressions a, a mm. person makes a an opinion of a place within 20 seconds or well, this is what i read anyway I, uh, I, I would argue a lot less but you certainly in the first minute no doubt yeah so when someone walks into the place you know we've we've got a, a window of opportunity to create a great first impression so we just implemented some um policies and procedures around courtesy and around the way we greet people so uh, one of those was our first 20 seconds procedure so essentially um whenever someone walked into the clinic we would just drop everything to make sure that they're greeted um and just that initial acknowledgement and even if we're um doing other things i don't like using the word busy uh, mm. if we're preoccupied doing other things um we just um you know, acknowledge that they're here and direct them to take a seat and then spend some time with them uh, on that personal level with them. So little things like that, little mm-hmm. procedures like that. We had um, – I, I remember doing a lot of research. Being a, a health, health professional, it's it's good to look at the research, look at what's working in the world of research and science and then look at applying that in the real world. And some of the uh, marketing research out there was talking about uh, the effect that post-it notes has on uh, outgoing mail. So right. the extra personal touch just by putting a post-it note with a, a personal message and a smiley face is likely to have a 75% increase in uh, in return, you know. so In engagement. Uh, so explain that. So you've got outgoing mail, which is unusual in itself, like you mean snail mail. What are you sending out? A, a, yeah, oh, an invoice? Oh, or man. A... I, t- I tell you, when, when someone comes to book, 
book for an appointment, yeah, we're sending them just letters or reports, but to the context of the letter is important. So um, people would book an appointment, we'd send them out a uh, welcome pack, um, which would give them information about the clinic and what they're, what they're about to experience, and then uh, we'd send them an email, we'd send them a, uh, a, a text message before they come in just to, you know, really mm-hmm. look and make sure that they're engaged. They come in, have this first 20 seconds experience, their paperwork is already filled out um, with their But on your snail details. mail, you're just writing a little person, like grab a little sticky yeah, and a little personalised note. After the appointment, we get this, hey, thanks, great to see you. And then whenever we send that out, it's just a little post-it note to say um, that extra little personal touch, hey, it was really good to meet you, um, looking forward to working with you, you know, with a, your name and a smiley face because mm-hmm. the research was very uh, particular about including a smiley face on that post-it note. And it takes, you know, a couple of seconds extra. You stick it onto the mail, send it out, and it's that extra little bit of engagement. And we even did that with our – we extended that with our reports to health profes- mm-hmm. other health professionals who were involved in the care with that, uh, with that client. We would send a little post-it note on that letter as well. And uh, – uh, that way we started getting more engagement from our health professionals as well. So. T- tell me about your wall of wow. Oh, yeah. We, um, we wanted to get uh, build this community of people who were excited about what we were offering. So we thought in a world with uh, health professionals where testimonials are not allowed, um, it's hard to get that social proof element mm-hmm. to our marketing or, or that, uh, you know, it, because we can't use testimonials uh, to, to mm. market ourselves, we needed to do something within our four walls that kind of uh, let people know about what the experiences think. other people have had. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we've got um, good feedback systems, you know, com- complaints and compliments registers. We've got uh, a feedback form that people fill out and uh, we just basically frame that form and put it in our hallway and we've got hundreds of these feedback forms with stories uh, that people have had where they've, um, you know, perhaps been in pain, they've uh, now um, had a great experience and this is what they can do. And uh, there's one little bit on there which I, which I love uh, seeing, which is what advice would you give to other clients of posture podiatry? And uh, the advice that our current clients are passing down to the new clients that come through, when new people come through, they, they walk through our wall of wow, they, they see all these wow stories and they see this little bit about the advice and it's often all about, hey, stick with your treatment plan, make sure you see it through, these guys are worth it, you know, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, which was a message that I wanted to get across but this was now coming from, you know, other clients nice. as giving that message across. So, so everything you've just described there, Daniel, is about creating um, a wow customer experience, which many businesses don't do. So everyone listening... First action point really is to do that, is to kind of literally bullet point down what are all the things we can do in our business to, to make people talk about us when we're not there. Mm. Um, the, the other thing you touched on is the fact that you have removed yourself as the business owner and head podiatrist um, in, in the clinic via the creation of systems. Yeah, Yes, and it was kind of more of a necessity than anything. I mean, with all these extra high-touch processes and experiences, um, a really big part of implementing that was keeping the team on board. I actually needed to spend a lot more time with my team um, to motivate and inspire and and generate that culture or be the carrier of the culture of being able to uh, think that it's okay to do this extra work, for example, Mm -hmm. um, for the benefit of of the client. But I just simply did not have time to do it because I was still 
really booked up. You know, mm. I still had lots of clients coming to see me, and I loved every one of my clients, and I continued to want to see all these all these clients as well. Um, but there had to come a point where my focus needed to, to perhaps move from being directly involved with my clients to being more directly involved with my team and then empowering my team to then be more directly involved with the clients and so, so carry for that you, the most important for you was your original why is you love helping people. So as long as that was still being met, whether that was directly by attending to someone's feet or <laughs> indirectly by making sure that you have the best team possible attending to someone's feet. It didn't matter to you, the business owner, right? That's right. And at some points I thought, gee, it would just be much easier if it was just me. Um, And going back to that state where it was just me kind of presented itself as quite an attractive opportunity. Why? Why? Were you being let down? I got a lot of opposition. Um, From who? Well, from my clients as well as from Mm. other health professionals as well. People hate change. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was actually a really tricky time because people didn't really understand. I mean, the, the comments were, hey, but this is a shame. You've trained, you've got the experience, you've got the certificates on the wall, you're the one who I'm choosing to see. Mm. I don't want to see anyone else. I've followed you here, you know, I've, you know this, is, wow. this is something. Wow, that's pretty that, heavy. Yeah, and, and in those moments, I really had to think bigger at that time. I had to think about no, I can help more people by empowering my team to do that. Um, and it was, it was the hardest, hardest journey of my life. Can you remember kind of, can you remember the moment where you did break through all that negativity? Yeah. I, and it was actually after the event. So I actually had to go through the whole experience and come out the other side and it, it, it was actually represented to me on, a, on the day I finished consulting um, 12 months later uh, when my team sat me down and this was the Tuesday before Christmas in 2014 and it was a moment I'll remember forever because they essentially sat down and they sat me down. They, they each took turns to say how grateful they were for the change um, in seeing me go from being there with my clients to now being there for them. They felt like uh, they felt like they wanted to release me to continue in that journey, wow. you know, and it was a really special moment for me. It, it, it was kind of tied everything together and it really made me f- feel confident that the business will never lose its personality um, because the, my team are now carrying that personality. They're carrying that culture and they've really seen um, my heart in what I'm trying to do here and they've observed it and they've watched it and they've watched the struggle and the pain that I went through in coming off the tools, um, which is kind of a crude way of, of putting the whole process. But uh, and what's what you've done? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay, um, mate, that's a very uh, – yeah. don't you wish you'd recorded that little meeting Christmas oh. Eve or whenever it was? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm feeling a little emotional thinking about it now because it really was a special moment and it was kind of that culmination of everything and going, hey, 
I've done the right thing here and now I feel like I'm released to really go on to the next level. And you have really done that. So let's talk next level because you do, you've do. you done a number of things. You have, you've gone and invested in other businesses. I want to touch on that because one of them I want to interview. Um, you have, you're playing more golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is funny. Um, after that meeting, uh, we had the Christmas break and at that time I signed up to be a uh, member at the golf course uh, that uh, I grew up on when I was a child. Right. Um, uh, so uh, old school. Oh, man. I remember uh, selling golf balls back to the golfers <laughs> back when I was eight years old um, <laughs> through our back fence. So, um, so it, Daniel, tell me, just, just wrap some numbers around what these changes, what, okay. removing yourself, putting in place the systems and processes, creating an amazing customer experience. What did that do for your business? Reveal as much as you can. Okay. Well, I originally wanted this to be a five-year experience. I was challenged to do it in six months. Uh, to basically rip the Band-Aid off, um, uh, to remove myself as the main breadwinner in the business. At the time, I was generating 80% of the income for the business. So we had two other podiatrists there, um, but I was still doing 80% of the the work. And um, I kind of negotiated with my mentor at the time that, no, I won't do it in six months, I'll do it in 12 months, and I'll take out one day each quarter. And I'll use those extra days that I have to invest in, in the team and the structure and the systems. But it was a real gamble because of that pushback that I had before that I, that I mentioned earlier. But also the fact that, hey, the money. Like, I'm, I'm the 80% income earner here. So if I take myself out, then there's going to be less money going around. And it, I didn't quite make the connection between the fact that working in the business and working on the business was such a huge, would have such a huge impact on yes. the money side of things. So what happened when I reflected 12 months later and I'd come off the tools, I, I had gone from generating 80% of the income for the business to 0%. And in that time, this is what really surprised me. I'd not only replaced my income in the business, um, by putting in place certain systems and, and things like that. But the business had actually grown 20% in that time as well. Okay, let's just get really clear there. You were generating 80% of the income for the business. You went yep. down from 80% to 0% income generation. Yep. You replaced your income by putting in place certain systems like what? Oh, like just- gambling? <laughs> I mean, one of them was the daily huddle. I mean, it's all about culture and it's all about the teamwork, right? So we, we started meeting on a daily basis. With How the does team. that replace your income? Well, I don't know, but it did because what happened was um, because we, we passed the hat chance, around in the huddle. No, oh, well, we had a chance to connect, you know, and that connection meant that we had a chance to inspire each other and then that would then carry on to when we were seeing our clients and then our clients would be happier with us and so they'd send more people to us and then we started to build this whole culture around people referring okay. their friends. And, okay, so and then your, your business increased by 20% and you're able to draw a salary uh, equivalent to the income equal- that you were making as a podiatrist. Yeah, so on top of the Boom. extra salary that I was drawing as a podiatrist, Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, it grew twenty percent on top of that. So, yeah. do you miss yeah. feet? <laughs> it's a good question. I miss people. Um, yeah, right. I, I do keep my hand in it a little bit. We still work with the Australian Dance Theatre. We work with um, uh, you know a couple of um, people like that. But uh, but yes, I do. I miss the interaction. That one-on-one interaction. You, you wouldn't miss a festy ingrown toenail. I'm thinking. No, they can be fun. You like them? 
Well, you know, Jeez. it's the difference it makes. You know, you get into it, you fix it, and people go, oh, the relief, you know. And sometimes it is really cool. Yeah, I'll put my hand up to yeah. do it if, uh, if you know, if we're out and about and someone's got a, a splinter or something, yeah, I'll right. always be the one to, uh, to get in there and try and get out because it's something – there's something in it, you know. It, well, yeah, yeah, a lot of pus. That's what's in it. Now, now, Daniel, <laughs> tell me, you have you freed yourself up, business posture podiatry, humming yes. along. Yes. It has freed you up. You've now gone and created, um, I think it's called Clinic Mastery, which you are helping other health professionals who we all would agree. Uh, hello to my GP, who I wait generally 90 minutes for when I roll up. <laughs> I don't anymore. I just ring. How late's he running is my question. Oh, man. Um, so we, 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 we all know health professionals need help in running their business. So you've created Clinic, clinic Mastery to do that. That's Tick. correct, yeah. Um, yep. That's relatively new? Uh, it is new. It's a, it's a program that we take health professionals through to just help implement those key systems that work for us. Um, classic, we basically a classic can, example, whether yeah. it's a health professional or a tradie or, I mean, none of us get trained to run a business when we're studying a speciality. So, you know, good on you for doing this. <laughs> Thank <laughs> um, you, yes. And it's another thing, another way of being able to help more people because I feel like, you know, we're helping a number of clinics from all around Australia at the moment um, and this sort of allows me to feel like I'm not only helping our clients in our own clinic helping my team to help their cl- their clients. I'm also helping other businesses to help their clients. So I guess it's just that broadening of the, the that key purpose, you know, to help people. Um, it's everything's still in alignment with that. And that's why I love clinicmastery.com. It's that, that um, helping other health professionals to raise the benchmark of that health care delivery, putting care back into health care. Oh, clever, clever. <laughs> Tell me, um, is that going to require you, is that an automated thing or is that you going in and consulting? Are you back on the tools? Are you selling I, your hours? I am back on the tools. Interesting. Uh, I, love getting, I love getting involved in, in the, the lives of other health business owners. Um, so, yes, uh, uh, you know, phone calls, clinic visits, um, you know, we're delivering video content, uh, webinars, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's good at the moment. I'm motivated and it's it's working really well. Um, I've got a great team um, uh, with, you know, a couple of other mm-hmm. guys who I've partnered with, with uh, clinicmastery.com. And, uh, what do you say? Is there? I mean, is it, I've spoken about this before on a number of occasions where I've been speaking to a successful business owner who seems to have mastered how to run their business. They've removed themselves from it and now they're training others in their industry to do it. It's, it's an interesting business model. It's a trainer of the trainer, isn't it? <laughs> and especially when I'm training other podiatry clinics close to ours. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, well, it's... It's, it, we can't afford to have a scarcity mindset in small business. There is enough work to go around. And if we all raise the benchmark together, then people can expect better service all around. And it's just going to look better for the whole profession, if you know what I mean. Good on you. Um, You'll so, end up having people coming to podiatry clinics that don't even need anything attended to with their feet. It's funny, we do have people rock up just for a tea and a chat. We no, go, really? Yeah, we do, we do. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> it's good fun. It's Love good it. fun. It's um, good... Dan, you've also gone and you, well, you're investing in other businesses. Yeah, so um, I think for me as, a, as an asset class business kind of makes sense now. Um, what does that mean? 
Well, I mean, okay, so asset classes, we look at, uh, say, property. So Uh you can invest in property, we can invest in shares, we can invest in in business. And as far as business goes, uh, I don't know, just for me, it just makes sense. And, you know, various processes and systems to be able to enable a business to run without you uh, is is kind of where business needs to be, I guess. Otherwise, it's not a business. It's more of a job. So you've bought a – do you mind if I share the franchise you've bought into? Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, Um, uh, Remind me, uh, Source Whole Foods? It's the Source Bulk Foods. The Source Bulk Foods? Yeah, this came from a – this business. uh, (laughs) It's a great um, business model. I didn't know anything about it, but my wife did. She um, is all over the health blogs and the food blogs, and and, uh, a lot of the people out there are talking about Whole Foods being – um, well, the, we are. We're in the midst of a whole food revolution, mm-hmm. and we were in Melbourne in uh, in Prahran, in fact, uh, just walking down the street, and she saw the sauce bowl foods, and she, you know that excitement that welled up in her. She kind of thought, "Wow, this." Um, I've heard about these guys. Uh, it, the bloggers keep talking about it. We don't have it in Adelaide. We need to. Um, we need to check it out. So she went in. And I came back a couple of times, but half an hour later. Uh, she's doing cartwheels around this place. Um, just so excited. I remember for me, uh, we would activate our, we activated almonds, you know, so you soak <laughs> them overnight, you dehydrate them. It brings out the, the quality yeah. nutrients in the almonds. And, but the thing for me was our electricity bill because the uh, dehydrate is going oh, yeah. on every night, you know? Um, but so here we walked into the source and I see this, it was like, um, this aha moment. There's a, there's a bulk food, bin full of activated almonds oh. and you just scoop out as much or as little as you like. And I went, oh, problem solved. So you've gone, here's a good business. We need a bit of that. And you bought, you bought uh, two or three franchises, I franchisees? With, yeah, I partnered with a friend of mine who who uh, has a number of franchise stores uh, with Optus and mm-hmm. he understands franchise. I understand business. So we mm-hmm. thought it was a great partnership. Uh, we made our way to Byron Bay a couple of weeks later and uh, met with Paul, who started the Source Bulk Foods, and uh, and then we brought it to Adelaide um, and opened our first store sort of within a few months of that meeting, and uh, another store um, a few a few months after that. So we've now got two stores here in Adelaide at Glenelg and at Mitcham with the Source Bulk Foods, and uh, the guys there are so passionate about uh, the food. You know, they're so passionate about the lifestyle and clean living and whole food living and and that's rubbed off on me i i want to live a waste-free life i want to be able to um you know be eat clean and as well so my my business is teaching me stuff it's it's great Love fun it. <laughs> daniel you are a shining example of a business owner who loves what they do who's very strong on their why who's got the guts to make some really hard decisions um in in a business that's actually very successful what, what do you say just to wrap things up to all those business owners listening who are a little bit trapped in the day today Oh, it's it's a problem that is shared by many business owners out there. Um, you're not alone. Uh, that feeling of being trapped by the business is something that uh, it, it haunts me even now, and I never want to be back there. Um, I just I just say, look, what's your first to, step? You've got to make a decision in your heart. It's got to come from within to remove yourself as the main person in the business, the bottleneck in the business. If everything, if every process has to go through you, then the business will only grow as much as what you can take it. But if you were able to hand over some of those responsibilities and remove yourself as the bottleneck, 
uh, it will free you up to be able to do what you love doing. And that may be working in your business or maybe not, but at least you're free to make that decision. Love it, mate. Get out of your own way would be the advice there. Dan, thanks for sharing, mate. Again, sorry for getting you off the golf course. I'll let you get back there now. (laughs) Thanks, Timbo. Really love talking with you. Well, there you go, team. Daniel Gibbs, Posture Podiatry. What a great story. Coming up, I share a crackingly good idea. Is that a word, crackingly? With a charity who needs to make some money fast. Plus, I've got my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Daniel. But first, here's a word about a couple of businesses that want to help you build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Support for this show comes from Web Central, who love building small businesses' websites that not only look great, but get you more customers. I asked Verity Ma, their Chief Marketing Officer, to share her top three business website must-haves that are simply non-negotiable. The three must-haves for an effective website, I think, starts with a clear call to action. So when you get a visitor to that website, what do you want them to do? Also, the website needs to be mobile-friendly because there's a huge growth in the number of visitors coming from their mobile, searching while they're out and about. And then finally, a professional design that reflects your brand. Because if you think about it, the first time that a potential client or customer interacts with your brand is on your website, they're going to have an immediate view of what your website does and whether you're trustworthy. Web Central, helping you build trust online fast. Check out webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo for exclusive listener offers. The Small Business Big Marketing Show is also grateful for the support of Aussie-owned business, designcrowd.com, the world's number one custom design marketplace where it's beautifully simple and cheap. I love cheap. To get a design you love, guaranteed. I asked founder Alec Lynch what problems Design Crowd solved for us small business owners. Buying design has traditionally been an expensive process, a slow process, and a risky process. Design Crowd's crowdsourcing solution fixes those problems. Designcrowd.com, a faster, cheaper, more creative way to get a custom logo, graphic, or print design for your business. For a special VIP offer that can save you up to $100 on your first design, visit designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo. Righto, so my three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Daniel Gibbs of Posture Podiatry. Number one, do everything in your power to stop the business being reliant on you. I have an episode coming up with another business owner who explains exactly how she's done this and uh, she gives some great tips. But just be mindful of the fact that we can so often get in our ways, in our ways, in our way. Um, My guest in a couple of weeks' time shares a beautifully elegant three-step process for helping you do this. Attention grabber number two. What's your herbal tea? (laughs) Now, I don't mean what flavour do you like. I mean, what can you offer your customers that's simple yet makes them go, wow? The guy who services my car always gives it a wash inside and out. My my local coffee shop gives me a little macaroon with my coffee, which I don't have coffee anymore. I have tea. Um, But what's your herbal tea idea? 
have a think about it and implement it. And attention grabber number three, ask your clients what advice have you got for other clients of your business? Their answers could form the basis of your wall of wow, or you could sprinkle them throughout your website or include them on your quotes, just like little testimonials. It's a great question to ask. Hey, what grabbed your attention? I'd love to know. I really would. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 326 and let me know in the comments section of the blog post. So I have got a listener question from Sarah at Hope Pastures, which is a horse and donkey sanctuary in the UK. She says, hey, Timbo. Hey, Sarah. What tips do you have for small charities who don't have a budget to spend on marketing? We are on social media and have a website. We've made a lot of contacts but need to keep the interest through the winter months. These are our hardest months as we are a horse and donkey sanctuary and we have to feed them on a lot more in the winter. We're also involved in the local community, including taking our rescued animals to visit care homes, schools and groups. What a great thing to do. We have been guests on podcasts and was wondering about making our own. Sarah from Home Hope Pastures, that's H-O-P-E, pastures.org. Now, Sarah, keep doing interviews on podcasts and by all means, go and create your own, but I want to give you a bigger idea. I'm going to cons- suggest you consider a crowdfunding campaign using something like crowdfunder.co.uk, which is local to your country. Um, there's a great case study on there, and I'll put a link in the show notes to it. But the Pupmobile did this, which is a charity which provides hearing dogs for deaf people, and they raised over £16,000 from 342 backers in 35 days with this really simple two-minute video in which we hear from various people involved in the charity. Check this out. What do I do? I'm a puppy trainer. I train adorable puppies like Evie to help deaf people. The dogs learn to alert their recipients when they hear an important sound. Sound I can't hear like the telephone, the doorbell and the alarm clock in the morning. And once they've mastered this, they learn how to respond to a danger sound. I used to worry that I couldn't hear the smoke alarm during the night or wake up in the morning with the alarm clock. I couldn't sleep well for years. It's not just the practical difference that hearing dogs make. Before I got Jaffa, I was worried and shy. He'd given me the confidence to get out and about. I found it difficult to communicate with strangers, but Jaffa changed all that. This year, we want to train 140 more hearing dogs to help severely and profoundly deaf people. To do that, we need to take the puppies, dogs, staff and the deaf people we help to lots of different places. Visiting my house, my workplace and going out to the shops. Crowded places like the train station and in town centres. And for that, we need transport we can rely on. But we don't have it. Our van spends more time in the garage than on the road. When our van breaks down, it leaves people and dogs stranded on the side of the road, which isn't ideal. We need to get puppies and lots of dog food to our satellite training centre in Southampton. We need to get all of our kits and our dogs to London to do a demonstration. Lots of our recipients haven't had a dog before, so in the first few days we take them to busy places and they get some experience walking with their hearing dog. 
It was great building a bond in the first few days. It was so easy then when we went out on our own, first time. Training hearing dogs is a big challenge. And we need your help. Our dogs make lots of journeys and visit lots of places. For this we need a reliable vehicle for all the team to use. We want to buy a van that can carry up to seven people, three dogs and transport all the equipment that we need. This special new van will make a crucial difference and help us train more hearing dogs. To help more deaf people. So check out our fantastic rewards. And please give as much as you can to help us buy our new van. Thank you! How simple and clear is that message? So Sarah, follow these four simple steps, well five really, to get a crowdfunding campaign up for Hope Pastures, okay? Number one, get clear on what you want funded, really clear. Then create great messaging. Spend time crafting your messages for your crowdfunding campaign. Offer rewards different for different pledges. Um, Pupmobile do this very, very well in the in their in the link that I'll put in the show notes. Um, step four: have a clear fundraising target, so know what you're shooting for, and so that others know that as well. And step five: have a clear time frame. All right. Now here's the pro tips: be realistic not greedy, I'm sure you wouldn't be. Um, get your extended team involved. Staff, volunteers, local community, as many people as you can involved in bringing this crowdfunding campaign to life. Uh, another pro tip, speaking of the local community, ask local businesses to donate gifts you can use to reward backers. Um, the Putmobile did this so well. They had a series of different pledge levels and you got something back in return for pledging money at different levels. It was very, very clever. Um, and I think local businesses can contribute to this, both in gifts and maybe even helping you send these rewards um, out to people who pledge. Um, final pro tip, promote the crowdfunding campaign via your email, social media, local publicity, press, you know, shout it from any rooftop you can. Otherwise, it'll get buried in all the other crowdfunding funding campaigns that are out there. So there you go. Head over uh, and set up that on crowdfunder.co.uk. Check out the link over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 326 for the whole um, Putmobile case study. It's an excellent one. Thanks for the question, Sarah. And if you do do the crowdfunding campaign for Hope Pastures, then send me the link and I'll share it with my tribe. <laughs> I love a good donkey, donkey noise. Always thought that was one of the more unusual animal noises uh, going around. Hey, that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Next week, we are joined by a fellow who has recently finished a social experiment in which his video production company produced a series of viral videos that passed off as being real, but in fact were totally fake. And you may well have been fooled by some of them yourself. Have you seen the Sydney shark attack, uh, the Sydney Harbour shark attack video, or the crazy guy running into a tornado to take a selfie? And there's a few others as well. Uh, 164 years of YouTube watch time later. That's how many hours of watching these videos he's had. He's, he's created have had, he shares his do's and don'ts when it comes to anyone wanting to create a viral video. It's really, really fascinating. Hey, you know, I chat with all sorts of incredible business owners on this show. 
who reveal some amazing marketing insights that have helped them build a business they love. From celebrity trainer Michelle Bridges to a fellow who is disrupting the Australian airline industry to Maxine Windrum, founder of Brava Woman, a boutique and highly successful bra-fitting retailer. Here she is sharing where the business idea came from. We just spoke to women. You know, we, we spoke to, um, speak to women at an event, at, at just our, our friends, and it was the same story. Tim, I actually can't remember one woman saying, no, I don't have any problems with bras. Yeah, right. You know, or if they, if they were smaller in the bus, they would say, oh, but I've got a friend or my mum has a problem or my, my cousin, I've, let me know when you open. So you why know? a year, Maxine? Why, why did it take a year? to finally go, oh, hang on, I think we better solve the problem. Well, because both um, mum and I had never had a business before. We'd never even worked in retail um, and actually didn't even like shopping. So oh, wow. We, we um, still don't actually, but we... <laughs> we um, That's kind of a positive in the sense that if you don't like shopping, then you have, you're forced to ask yourself what's yeah. going to make the shopping experience exceptional. Yes, yes, that's right. And do you know that so many of the same reasons kept coming up that women don't like bra shopping, and it's because they're ma- when they have a fuller bus, they're made to feel they're abnormal. They mm-hmm. walk into a store, told there's nothing for them, or that will do. You know, fit it into a big back size to get the big cup size because the right sizes weren't available, and just sold to and and said yes, this is fine. When as a woman, you know whether you're comfortable or not. Mm-hmm. You know that in a bra that it doesn't quite feel right, but you don't quite know why. And if you're going to a professional bra fitter and they're not helping you, um, then where do you turn? You know, you, you there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> now. Just in case you're wondering, the answer is yes. There are some dad jokes in that interview, but not as many as you may think. I was on my very best behaviour. You can hear the full interview with Maxine plus hundreds more over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or you know what I'd love you to do if you haven't already, go and subscribe on iTunes. That way you'll never, ever miss another episode. Hey, be sure to check out designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo. They're an ideal way to get any marketing materials designed for that beautiful business of yours. Plus, I've got an exclusive listener offer waiting for you over on their website, designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo. Speaking of uh, great offers, webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo if you'd like a custom website built and managed for you. And who doesn't want a bit of that? Uh, Or maybe you just want your current website brought into the 21st century, which would be a good idea as well. Hey, if you loved the Small Business Big Marketing Show, or love it, both, then go and pay it forward by letting another business owner know about it. One who could do with a bit of marketing love, because there's so much more where this came from. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Always have been, always will be. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.